curious because I know we've been talking about like food and what we want to eat and what we don't want to eat and who we want to cook we don't want to cook because you like to use every for some reason every measuring cup when you only need one um but you were talking about earlier about how like you and Diego like one of you will be on a diet while the other one's not on a diet and then the other one's on a diet while the other one's not on a diet like I'm really curious what is your like relationship with food like like what is that journey been like for you it's been extremely difficult for me because in case you haven't noticed um I don't have a lot of memories of recipes and things of that nature from my own childhood because Mm -hmm. I have a mother who does not cook my mom doesn't prefer to cook. She doesn't enjoy cooking. Um, And so pretty much throughout the course of my life, I was like a fast food kid. Like I ate fast food or restaurant food every single day of my life. Every day. Have you seen Real Housewives of Salt Lake City? I haven't. So there's one woman on Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. Like these people, you know, they're on the show. They're stupid rich. Mm -hmm. And like they have video footage like in her car. Where like for every meal, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, she takes her kids to fast food and they eat in the vehicle together. Like they all eat in the vehicle together. And I'm like, these people make stupid money. And they're like, literally, they're like, what does everybody want? And they'll go to one drive through and get one person Taco Bell and then another one and get the other one KFC. And they're all sitting in the car eating. Yeah, no. And that, I mean, that was my life. I mean, granted, my mom raised us mostly single and was a pretty busy woman. So now that I'm a mother myself, I understand, I understand like the challenges that come with, you know, but the the fact of the matter is she didn't enjoy it. Like she did not like cooking. It wasn't her thing. It It wasn't wasn't her thing. thing. Um, and she was very particular with where, like where we could eat and the things we could order. Like I really didn't drink any soda until I was probably like 10 or over. Like I, I mean, I won't say she fed me trash. Um, we'd go to sit down restaurants and like eat there and, you know, she'd try to make, help us make like the best choices, but. Did we have the same mom or our mom's the same mom? Was your mom the same? My mom like literally did not like cooking. Like the only thing my mom makes, if she listens to this podcast, mom, um, you know, this is true. The (laughs) only thing that she literally makes is this bomb ass spaghetti that I will give it to her. Like she dices up some bell pepper and mushroom and onion and she sautés them with like the meat and then the marinara and then she puts it on top of the spaghetti, you know, like the noodles and it's bomb. Yeah. That's that's it. Yeah. Like she no, makes I mean, that and she makes sandwiches. And, and my mom yeah, so. my my mom makes some some good fideo and like she can she could she can it's not that she cannot like she just does not enjoy getting down in the kitchen and so I mean Mm. as a child you know my friends would be like you're so lucky you get to eat out all the time and like no I mean I really enjoyed being with my grandparents and for those of you who know me know that my grandparents raised me they took a 
a very large hand in raising me. And so I spent a lot of time with them and my grandma was very sickly, but she definitely was an incredible cook. And Mm. my favorite dish that she would make me was arroz con pollo, which is rice and chicken. It's the the simplest dish. Um, Sounds simple. Rice is very difficult to perfect, especially Mexican rice. Uh Um, It's the biggest challenge that I'm still, you know, it's like, never know what you're going to get one day your rice is amazing the next day it's like oh I could use some work and um but no yeah that was my favorite dish like I'm not kidding I could eat a whole pan of that and like I just miss eating her arroz con pollo so much I have dreams about it like that's how much nostalgia I have over that dish um but that's how I am with Diego and his (laughs) but other than that um I don't have all these like incredible recipes like I said she was sick, my grandma, and she was the main one that would cook for me. And I think she just kind of whatever she could muster up the energy to make and whatever she had in the fridge. But I mean, here's the thing about our culture and the relationship that we develop with food at a young Mm -hmm. age. And something that I'm learning, you know, now that I've been exposed to different cultures, and as I've gotten older, um, it's not great in our culture, like our relationship with food and don't get me wrong. The food itself is delicious. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of like nutrition and, um, nutritional value, I mean, when I think of running around my grandma's house when I was a kid and snacking on anything, like she would literally, you know, make us some fresh flour tortillas and slap some like butter on there and like roll it up. And like, that was a snack for us, you know, or, put some beans in there. And that was like a snack for us. And in the morning, if we were running late, we always had sweet bread, pan dulce, like on the table. And so they would, you know, serve that to us. Like, oh, you're on your way to school. You're running late. Grab a donut, grab a piece of concha, which is like, we'll share pictures of some of these, you know, I mean, now that for those of our Caucasian listeners, a concha (laughs) is actually a, what Americans would call a donut. Um, It is not fried. It's actually um, baked and tossed in a nice uh, sugar. And uh, it's quite delicious for those of y'all who are listening. Lupe, I love your Caucasian accent. It's just chef's kiss. Thank you so much um... for listening to us here at NPR. (laughs) But yeah, you know, I think back to those snacks that we'd eat. I mean, don't get me wrong. My grandparents were heavy on fruit. They always had fresh fruit chopped and stuff, but like vegetables, not so much. And you know, this is a good example. This week I've been volunteering at, at our church. Like it's, it's vacation Bible school week here where I live. And I mean, carrots, bell peppers, like those are the kind of snacks that these people are eating. And, you know, yeah. my, my kids take a look and they're like, mm, you know, they're not impressed. And it's well, because I- that's not satisfying in our culture. Like we yeah. want to enjoy what we're eating. And it's a huge part of who we are as people. And it's very difficult getting to adulthood and unlearning those eating habits. Um, well, we're, we're unlearning like generational poverty. Like yeah. we're unlearning like the reason why, like we were being fed like flour tortillas and fr- uh, uh, rice and beans and like conchas and things like that is because those are the things that are cheap. Yep. Like those are the least expensive things to purchase. And especially if you grew up in, I don't know if your fans know, but you know, we grew up in South Texas and like, we weren't even in one of the big cities. Like we were in the small ones. Like Mm -hmm. we lived in a food desert. Like Mm -hmm. all we had was El Centro. Like Mm -hmm. that was it. 
and like the dollar general they didn't have fresh fruit there and vegetables yeah like you know like we like you ate what you had like that was it and then we grow up right as adults and we're having I mean I know for me like I've had to unlearn having a poverty mindset when it comes to my relationship with food because like even still like even today like throwing away food like for me is like I'm committing a sin like that is just no like I can't like literally like that is so hard for me like to know that I'm doing that thank god we have a ranch because like we just go go over there and we just give the pigs like everything that we're not going to be able to eat um because it yeah like I don't like these are these are products of the situations in which we were raised and then we're being put in these new situations right where like we live in metropolitan areas and we have friends who come from different socioeconomic backgrounds and we're expected to be around these people and like eat bell peppers and carrots and it's like <laughs> I didn't grow up eating these things like it's hard. this is not normal to me like I'm like is the bell pepper going to be like stuffed with meat and cheese like what are we doing here I'm very like why is there like why aren't they grilled with fajitas like it's not Christian Iris like these people are of of Satan you did definitely say something that really really hit me because another another practice that my grandparents um would implement with our feet with our feeding and with our meals was a few things that now like I could not imagine doing to my own kids but Mm. and I don't think that they meant any ill intent by it but two things we were not allowed to get up until our plate was completely wiped clean Mm. and we couldn't have anything to drink until we finished Mm. all our food a girl would be there choking straight up choking on her food and my grandma was like "Uh, uh, uh," like finish all your food and I'm like dude this is not fun and so we would really only buy sodas for like special occasions or like on the weekends Mm -hmm. um we wouldn't really it was lots of water and you know juice and stuff like that milk but that that less whatever they were trying to accomplish by teaching me not to get up until I finish my plate has really messed me up here in adulthood because I finish everything, even when I'm full already. And it's a horrible thing. And we're being served like portions that are like two or three portions. Like I'm talking about now, like I'm talking, like you go to Chili's right now and like, yeah, yeah, like you go order like the Cajun chicken pasta, shout out to the Cajun chicken pasta. Like she grew up eating it. Like it's bomb. Right. But like, that's like for two or three people. It really is. And like, and I get it, Iris. Like I get that looking at a plate and being like, oh, I have to eat this because this is in front of me. And I've had to get to the point where I'm like, no, like I'm taking half of this home and like Mm -hmm. half of this is going to be for my next meal. Because if not, I fall into the same slip. And if I stay there talking and if I don't put it away in a to-go plate, I'm going to keep picking at it the entire time. Yeah, I'll kill a whole chicken pasta plate my girl Amanda mm-hmm. knows that's our go-to dish Cajun chicken pasta at Chili's is bomb and I do the exact same thing and it's just at the end I'm like why do I do this and I know why I do that because that's what I was taught to do mm-hmm. um I'm not gonna lie it's kind of embarrassing sometimes because I don't catch I don't I'm not always aware of it um mm-hmm. and when I do become aware of it I do feel kind of disgusted afterwards but it's definitely a learned behavior or 
a, a taught yeah. behavior, you know, cause it's mm-hmm. what I was taught. And when, it, when you serve the kids, I'm curious, like, do, do your children serve themselves? Like, do you ask them how much they want? Or like, do you serve them what you believe they'll eat? And you don't like, like, do they just eat what they eat on that plate? And then you just throw the rest of it? Like, how does it work at your house? Like, what have you chosen to do with them? Well, you and Diego. I Diego. Yeah. <laughs> it so depends handsome. on what it depends on what we're eating. Um, but I definitely have caught myself over serving them. And then saying, this doesn't make sense. I'm being ridiculous. Let me serve them a little less because I I do want them to finish all their food and I don't want them to feel disgusted afterwards, you know? And so I try to underserve them that way, if they do want more, they can afford to have more. And I know that they're not going to, you know, overdo it. Um, but yeah, I think that's something that I'm conscious of because of again, like the eating habits that I picked up as a child. And let me, you know, just point something out because I know you did highlight like the, the poverty in our area. Yeah. I never felt poor growing up. My grandparents were not wealthy by any Mm -hmm. sense of the word. Like they, you know, like I said, we went without a lot. They didn't have central air conditioning. We didn't Mm -hmm. have cable, you know, they were, I had everything I needed, but I had a very unique situation where I had a comfortable mix of yes, semi-poverty with my grandparents. For them, I don't think they considered themselves to be living in poverty. A lot of those ways of living um, are, are, it's the culture, you know what I mean? Like it's, they don't, they don't need much more than what they had. And so they were very happy and content with, with what they had and had everything that they needed for sure. But then I had my mom who was an educated working woman and could afford to take us out to eat on the daily and enjoyed doing so and worked hard Mm -hmm. to get to where she was and was enjoying her life. So there was no in between for me. I didn't, you know, I had that, that life with my mom where it's like, go, go, go all the time, restaurant here, shopping there, doing whatever. And then I had the life with my grandparents. That was like the total opposite of that. And then I feel like right down the middle, like I'd go visit friends and they would have the life that's like, okay, everyone gather around. We're about to have dinner. And they'd have that big bowl going around of like. That's so weird to me. It, it's like, so, so I weird go to, to Anthony's house. Like we go visit his family and mm-hmm. that's them. Like, have you seen the Nutty Professors? Yeah. Like when they like put down all the plates and it fills up the entire table. Yeah. And everybody's like, like, you're like, this is enough food to feed like a good like party of 20. And there's like six of us sitting at the table. Or like any any old movie we used to watch where like the plates would get passed around or you know those those clips in the morning um like scenes in movies where the mom there's a stack of pancakes yeah there's like a stack and no one ever eats it they take a bite one bite and they go catch the bus or you know and how Mm -hmm. like their mornings are just so chill and it's like you know Mm -hmm. unrealistic but I definitely experienced that with some of my friends where I thought that that was really special because you know I'd Mm -hmm. go and they'd be having just like a normal dinner and like wash up and get ready for bed and I guess you always kind of idolize or you know want what you don't have like in your life and so 
to my friends, my life was like ideal, right? Like, Oh, that's awesome. Your mom takes you to Applebee's one night and then you get to go to Golden Corral the next night. And then, you know, you kind of get to just hop around all these restaurants, but like who I am as a person and who I was as a child, I didn't, I didn't enjoy that. Like I didn't thrive Mm. in that environment and I very much wanted the normal structured stability. So, you know what I did? I chose to live with my grandparents. And even though I had a little less and yes, it was a little closer to poverty for me, like having that arroz con pollo when I would get home from school, like that's, that was the shit, you know, like for me, because you knew there was going to be food because I knew it was going to be there waiting for me versus with Mm -hmm. my mom. It was like, we'll, we'll eat when we can. Okay. Like I got to do this. I got to do that. She was always a businesswoman. She always had side hustles and things like that. And again, shout out single mom, like she did it all, Mm -hmm. but it's exhausting for children to keep up with that lifestyle. And so Here's another thing I'll say about my relationship with food. Food was my friend when I was growing mm. up. Um, I, I felt like life was very, I had a lot of downtime living with my grandparents, two elderly people, one of which was very sick. My grandpa also had a ranch in Matamoros in Mexico that he would go tend to multiple times a week. And so a lot of times it was just me and my sickly grandma. And there were days where she wasn't feeling well enough to cook me something. So I felt like I was always looking forward to my next meal, if that made sense. Like I I was watching basic, you know, no television, like whatever was on. I read a lot as a child. Um, I would be reading and just kind of like snacking on bananas, whatever was available. And eventually I would eat and it would be very late at night and it was never anything healthy. And so Mm -hmm. I feel like I started to kind of always be waiting. I wasn't starving. I don't want to, I don't want my mom or anyone to listen to this and say, you're such a liar. Like we never starved you. I wasn't starving, but I very much never knew when I was going to, like, it was never a set time or a set schedule. And then another thing was, you know, the family gathering around the table, enjoying a din- like a meal that didn't happen either because we would all eat at different times. So, you know what I would do? I would watch TV when I would eat and mm-hmm. That's also a really unhealthy practice. So food became a like soothing mechanism, mm-hmm. a like comfort. a numbing agent. A comfort. And and I would just watch TV while I would eat whenever I would eat. And I feel like it's because families that eat on a normal structured schedule, they, they have the whole, how was your day? They talk to each other. They keep each other company. It's a beautiful thing to sit down and enjoy a meal with your loved ones. And when you, you don't all have- do that now, is that something do, you all do? We do. Yeah, we have to because it's important to me, you know, and it's hard because, of course, sometimes the kids are like, can we eat over here or, you know, and we allow it, you know, occasionally, but it is extremely important to us um, to have those moments because um, I'm going to have a whole other episode on anxiety and like, you know, stress and things of that nature, but a lot of this ties into that and a lot of the anxieties and like unhealthy relationships that I've developed in my childhood. And I wouldn't say there's any significant trauma tied to that, but it definitely is something that's very difficult to break out of when, you know, things like TV and food become your friends. Like, I think that's kind of, (laughs) but Mm -hmm. do you, how, I mean, did you have any kind of unhealthy habits or like food eating related habits that you kind of have struggled outgrowing as an adult, other than the typical, you know, cultural meal preferences and stuff of that nature? Yeah, so there's actually this really good book. Um, I read it about 10 years ago. I found it randomly at a Barnes and Noble 
nobles barnes and noble is it noble or nobles it's gonna bother uh, me is it noble, noble or nobles just one noble. noble there's no s no okay okay see i'm mexican i'm trying to add s's when there's not an s <laughs> but um i was there and i saw this book and it like called like it just like called out to me and it's called when food is love by janine roth for those of y'all who are listening okay. um and iris when i tell you like i was literally reading that book like weeping like weeping wow. like just learning about how like i used food for such a long time mm-hmm. as like a comfort mechanism as like I'd never had intimate relationships with people and so I had an intimate relationship with food like I could reward myself and then I could give myself consequences and deprive myself and food and I had a very roller coaster up and down bipolar relationship like it was like it was bad and I remember reading that and just like Like, it was like if for the first time, like, I actually was able to understand my relationship with food um, because I I never really, like, I never understood it. Like, I just, like, I just allowed it to be abusive without realizing that it was abusive. And it's really hard, right? Because, like, you need food to live. Like, Like, food is something that you need. Like, you cannot just stop eating. Like, that is not an option. Like, you cannot just choose to know like that's how alcoholics right like you can choose to stop drinking you can choose to stop doing drugs um you cannot just choose to stop eating like that's not an option and it has been a lot like my relationship with food has changed drastically I think it was like seven ish eight years ago I had gastric bypass surgery um and that I mean that really like that really messed me up like not in a bad way like in a like it made me face my demons because before the surgery like food is what I used to like cope with reality like I used it to celebrate I used it to be sad I used it to numb I used it for all of the above and the day I woke up from that surgery and I could no longer eat. It was like, how do I process all these emotions? Like, how do I deal with looking at the reality around me that is my life without eating at Chili's or like having cheesecake? And it was a lot, Iris. Like, it was a lot. Like, your girl had to go to therapy. Like, shout out to therapy. Shout out to Samara. Samara, I love you. I don't know if you're still out there. Therapist Samara, you're amazing. Um, but yeah, like it, it took a lot to get to where I'm at right now. Like I was having a conversation the other day with one of my friends, um, and they were talking to me about like their eating habits and, um, just like thinking about like constantly thinking about everything that they're putting in their mouth. And I was just like, I don't think about that anymore. Like, I don't have those thoughts. Like I don't, I don't feel guilty around food anymore. Like I was talking to a different friend who was like, you know, like, I think it's amazing that you're doing this whole chief pizza officer thing. And like, you're eating food on social media. And I was like, yeah. yeah. And I was like, is eating food on social media, like a bad thing? And they're like, not a lot of people would do it. 
And I was like, what? <laughs> and they're like, yeah, like you're eating carbs, girl. Like you're eating cheese on the internet. Like, like a lot of people would not do that. And like, you're not batting an eye. And I was like, oh, wow. Like, I didn't realize like how far my relationship with food had come. Like, you know what I mean? Like to where like, these aren't even thoughts that I have anymore of like, I don't deserve this or I shouldn't eat this or I'm not allowed to eat this. Like, no, like I don't feel those ways anymore. Like those feelings like are gone, gone, gone. I think the wild thing is that anyone who would see you playing that role and doing the job you're doing for Yelp would never ever guess that you ever went through that roller coaster, you know, of a relationship with food because you do look very comfortable and confident in sharing that experience with the audience. There's no question about, you know, whether or not you're you're struggling, you know, and I think that that speaks volumes, like how much you have, like you said, faced your demons and like overcome so much. And I mean, we, we talk all the time, but I, these are things that I didn't even, you know, know about your story, um, with food. And I think what happened to you is you made that transition from that quote that I don't know if you've ever heard, you don't, you eat to live, you don't live to eat. (laughs) And I think Mm -hmm. that you finally reached you're officially you're eating to stay alive, you know, and I'm like Reba McIntyre, girl, (laughs) I'm a survivor. (laughs) I'm also a single mom who works two jobs, who loves her kids (laughs) and never stops. I need that TikTok of you immediately. Um, I need a red wig where I'm just like shaking my head. You have a red wig. Don't make me bring back those quarantine videos. Like you have a red wig. Don't play. Put it on and just get the Did Diego tell you about my red wig? (laughs) Did Diego tell you? He wasn't so, he's so necio. He's so crazy like that. Lupe, honestly, though, like, thanks for sharing that story because um, it's a huge vulnerability, like being able to discuss you know, that, that process, what that's been like for you and like where you are right now. And, um, I'm proud of you and I'm excited for your future with food, you know, like overcoming all those things. And it's definitely, you know, a work in progress constantly. I don't think that people realize that when you've had struggles like that, it's not something that ever disappears completely, you know, because Mm -hmm. the trauma of those relationships is still there. And the way you mentioned earlier, like you were able to, utilize your relationship with food like in so many different ways like to reward Mm -hmm. yourself or you know this and that it's like a form of self-harm almost because it's like well how can I manipulate myself today with food you know and Mm -hmm. and you made a great point like you need it it's not like you can go without it and I mean Mm -hmm. I think it could easily be compared to a toxic relationship with with family or like anyone in your life who you a need spouse. To, or, yeah who you need you feel you need to survive because it's like mm-hmm. well I can't eliminate them they're a part of me and it's the same thing with food if you could just say you know like alcohol like you mentioned or some other addiction that it's like I need to eliminate this forever so that it doesn't ever harm me again you can't do that with food you have to stay nope. nourished so I think that it's actually one of the most difficult addictions to get under Mm -hmm. control. Um, so obviously there's like a lot more depth to that conversation. And one of my closest friends has struggled with eating disorders the majority of her life. And, um, 
express the interest coming on the podcast, like to discuss it. And I'm really grateful for, for that. I did ask her like, if she could just take some time to really make sure that's what she wants to do. Um, but in the future, if any of you are interested, I may be having that episode coming soon, but Lupe, were you going to say something else? Um, I was just going to say, um, I know I'd mentioned that book earlier, um, but I just wanted to say it again for those of y'all who didn't get to catch it. It's called When Food is Love by Janine Roth. And that's okay. with a G. Um, I highly recommend it. Like, I'll definitely share read it. it yeah. Cry, minutes. just cry, just like cry all of the tears. Um, and if you add me on social media, like DM me, like I would love to process that book with you and like be there and be like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. mm-hmm. So yeah, please, please, like we need to grow. We need to become better. We need to face our demons. It's important. Yeah. I'll definitely find the link to that and share it on the 60 minutes full Instagram. And you're so gracious to this was a really good food talk. It really was. And I wasn't glad we got to sit around the table, the brown table. <laughs> brown table talk. Um I'm laughing because my kitchen table is actually brown and round. That's hilarious. But um, other than that, brown and I- round. That's actually my <laughs> grinder name. That is actually my grinder name. Like literally, Diego needs to stop. <laughs> he's, he's spilling all your secrets, Lupe. Um, speaking of spilling secrets, it's time <gasps> to get into our segment, guys. Why do I feel like this should be like Pee Wee Herman, where you're like, "Say crabs," and just like start <laughs> screaming? You know what I mean? not Wee herman he's the fright of my life like I can we do like an iCarly moment where we like <laughs> spray shaving cream on each other for no reason like I no know. reason have you watched the reboot like I haven't had a minute and I was it was a cringe was it was it? a cringe it was there's a cringe. it's I mean it's really bad acting like it's like really like it, I can't watch that kind of acting anymore like it's real sitcom acting and I'm like Haven't we grown past this already? Like, isn't it wild how I feel like some actors forget how to act? Like, how are you this Oscar-worthy like performer when you were merely a child, and now that you're an adult, it's like I can't. You can't even. Is Miranda Cosgrove a a, like Oscar-worthy? No, maybe not. Maybe not Miranda Cosgrove, but I do feel like there's certain childhood actors that like I don't know. I feel like over the years as they become adults, like I can't I can't take them seriously anymore. Can't think of anyone off the top of my head. I'm trying to think. I'm like, who are we thinking of? I'm trying to think if there's any. Anyways, let's get to these secrets. Let's get to the secrets. Let's get to the secrets. Can I do secret number one? Can I do? Go ahead. Go ahead. This shit's real wild. So you need to tell me because I've never been on this show. Like this is my first time. I know you've had this podcast for three years. Um, so do I just say the secret and then I comment, or do I like say it and then I pause for gasp? Like, what do we do here? How does this work? Give me the rundown on how to do the secret. Let me give you the rundown. There is no rundown because this segment was just a a thought that came to mind in my friend Casey's mind. Like I kind of told her, you know, I definitely feel like the podcast could utilize a little structure and I want to do something fun that won't get old and will keep people engaged. And I came up with spilling secrets. So, well, I will say that these secrets are dirty thoughts and that's T H O T girl. And these, these are T H O T secrets. These are not the only ones. And I've been saying that I do need to do like a a bonus episode just to get through some of these secrets, because if they were vulnerable enough to share them, I only feel it's right to to share them with the audience and like go through them and just don't have the time. So 
Let's not so waste can, any. Let's not can waste I do question number one? Go ahead. Can I do question yeah. number one? Okay. Um, so one of my girlfriends has a husband named Diego and <laughs> I have had a secret affair with him for the past three years, but I'm also married to a man because we're gay together. How do I talk to her about this? And should we run away? Iris, I'm going to give this one to you. I don't feel like I'm qualified to talk about this one. You sounded uh, uncomfortably qualified to talk about that. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't, I've never heard of these people before. This is actually right. Like that's crazy. That's crazy. Um, That's wild though. So like, what are your thoughts honestly about that? Probably Um, like you're not going to get crazy, right? Can you honestly though, could you imagine a scenario like that? I know it has to happen um, at some point or another. And I, I have no thoughts. I have no words. I'm actually very nervous right now. And when we get off of this, I'm going to go and interrogate Diego. (laughs) Oh my God. You're going to be like, have you been giving Lupe your thrust leches? Have you been giving them all three of your leches? Those are my leches, Diego. All three of the leches. Oh my God, I'm dead. Oh my goodness. Okay, okay, let me read the first one. Okay, this is for real listeners. This is for real. If you're still even listening because we've been here for five days. (laughs) So the first secret is this shit is fucking wild. This this shit is fucking wild. Okay, let me me just interject here. Secrets are not necessarily, we have like an advice segment. These are just secrets. Um, We will have one like question of someone that asked for advice, but- I know they're not asking, they're just sharing their secret. They're not asking for our opinions. Like we're giving it to them anyway. Like you spill your secret, we discuss it. We give our opinion on it. I wouldn't say we judge you, but like also we might slightly judge you, but it's like in a loving way where it's kind of like, why'd you do that? You know? I'm judging, yeah. Like I'm (laughs) judging in the Christian sense of the word as where I'm God and you must now deal with that. So our first secret. So our first secret, my husband and I have had a threesome and it was pretty great. Jesus Christ. I'm good for you, girl. I'm assuming that if you listen to 60 minutes, Bill, you probably identify as a female. And so good for you, girl. Like, first off, like, I mean, if you like one, why wouldn't you like two, right? Like I've always had sex with Anthony and I've been like, you know, it'd be really great right now, another penis. And I don't know where I'm going to put it because I'm being assaulted by this one, but a second one would be really nice right now. Like all the time, all the time. I've been like that. I've always thought that. Like, I'm like, oh, you know, it'd be great dealing with almost dying is dying twice tonight. Like I, Iris, I, I need, what are your thoughts? What well, are your first thoughts of all, here? Let me just interject and say, we don't know if it was like what the, what the situation was. We don't know if it was two females, one male, you know, we don't know that. So it doesn't matter like, though. We don't know if it was like two girls, one cup, two guys, one cup. We don't know. We were not sure. The message is unclear, but um, I feel like in my French vanilla fantasy, it's two girls, <laughs> sorry, two guys, one girl. Yeah. Because like, that's a lot of girl, but I'm gay. <laughs> so like, I wouldn't want that many females there. Like, that's a lot. Like, like, what I are mean, we doing? I mean, actually, I wouldn't want any females there is what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, truthfully. But like, I mean. Honestly, I, three, tres leches. 
that's too many leches girl that's too many leches girl that's too many bodily fluids who's washing these sheets like see these are the things my mind goes through like when anthony uses all these fucking utensils like i'd be thinking like i I have to wash sheets tomorrow and i have to go to a pizzeria like this is too much oh man i wish i had your problems um but let, let me get real on my thoughts with this one uh not for me. Um, and it's not because I would ever judge it. Like, Hey, listen, if you are able to appreciate the opposite sex to that extreme where you would want to appreciate twice as much, twice as much, like with your significant other, more power to you. That's healthy. Do you Um, really think that she, you really think that she hooked up with two men? No, no, no. Who's the other guy? Like, you think it's like one of his friends? No, I have a feeling it was another female another female yeah i think it's like a girlfriend like who do you ask like do you just get on like tinder and like find some are you just like searching for a third i don't know i'm a christian what do you (laughs) do i don't know but i did hear that people who swing like swingers like have some kind of like pineapple hanging outside their house that's true it's upside down that's true i heard it's in the bible Let's look at these things. Que la piña are upside down. Que así no le gustan los tadis. Así no dice el Bible. Wait, you're like peeking outside your window and you're like, Anthony, take the pineapple down. They've got, they're onto us. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> Honestly, if Diego ever makes me a pineapple upside down cake, it is over. It is over, Iris. I will literally push you down a staircase i am about to forbid him from ever following through with any pineapple upside down recipe it's forbidden like never in this house i am starting all you know all the signs are starting like i'm really starting to question some things you know right oh now with so, so so tell me so like you said opposite sex but okay but like what if it was another girl so i mean i, I don't know like i the only reason that i'm thinking that that's what it was is because for straight couples right like a straight woman Mm -hmm. and a straight man married I feel like Mm -hmm. it would be a little bit harder to convince in other words are you serious no Iris Iris you mean to tell me if Diego picked up his phone right now and he texted one of his guy friends and was like Iris is down you don't think they'd be there in 30 minutes First and they all, live Claire in the fucking valley that many friends and exactly. i don't even want my mind to go there um but because guys are like that they'll be there like that girl but a girl how do you convince another woman of that hey i know multiple people who have been in this actual situation okay and you'd be surprised and again like the reason i the reason i'm leaning more towards the female two women two women is cup. because yeah is because I think that it's more likely that it would be again in a straight marriage with a man and a woman. Um, it's gotta be the chick's idea. Like, I don't think that many men would have the balls to be like, Hey, I think we should do this. And very few wives would be like, yeah, whatever you want. I feel like- So do you think this was a, like, everybody was enjoying each other's situation? Oh, a hundred percent. It sounds like it. Uh, um, and oh. it just couldn't be me. Like I just, also i love how we're inferring all of this and she literally they only sent us like 10 words and we're like that's exactly what they're inferring like they're well, we literally no and that's the fun part about it like we get to kind of speculate but um you know just from my personal thing like 
I'm very particular about things. And in my relationship, like that's very sacred to me. Like I am very emotional about sex. And I realize that not as I'm getting older and I talk to more and more of my girlfriends openly about it, that's not the case with everybody. Like for some people are pretty much it doesn't have to be emotional it's transactional it's transactional and I've talked to a lot of people who don't even make out with their spouse anymore like they don't even have like that pre-gaming like preheat the oven type of deal they kind of just get to it and it's kind of like a quick like I take care of you you take care of me situation and that's sad to me like I want to be kissed and I want to be kind of like appreciated and take things slow and how like I just feel like it's so awkward like with a third person there I don't feel like it's as sacred but that is just me I also am like I'm kind of jealous like I'm not jealous by nature in a sense Are of you? like I am yeah I like, don't I, imagine you jealous I don't like literally do not like I imagine Diego would be jealous before you would be jealous really and no and well actually like it's crazy because neither of us are actually like jealous when I say jealous I don't mean like around other I don't know I'm very like I joke a lot I'm like really open and I'm not Mm -hmm. I I mean I trust my husband but I'm jealous in a sense like in that situation if like there's three of us I'd be like don't look at her look at me like what are you doing like I think it would be so awkward and then like her (laughs) don't just touch her Chi Chi's touch mine too (laughs) touch mine too (laughs) I feel like you've been touching her a little more than you've been touched. Like, I don't know. I feel like my mind. Like, I'm not trying to say I was timing you, Diego, but you've literally (laughs) been with her for two minutes and 19 seconds. And you were literally only with me for two minutes, 15 seconds. I don't want to make this a thing because she's here right now. And like, I want us to finish what we started, but we're going to talk about this afterwards. I'd literally be like, you know what, actually, could you like go step outside for a minute? Like, we need to talk. (gasps) Like, no. (laughs) Can you make chicken nuggets? Because Aubrey's awake and she needs chicken nuggets. I'm freaking dead. Not her turning into a handmaid. <laughs> I couldn't do it. I can't even imagine it. Like that's how far fetched it would be for me. Um, because it's just not a thing. I don't know. And I think like oh, also where also where we're at in life, like it's just funny to me. It's like comical because we're so we have to strategically plan sometimes when yeah. we have intimate time together because of how busy our life lives are. Brady Bunch you have 30 <laughs> jobs. And so I don't know, it's pretty it's wild for me to think about. But again, it's not something that I hear and I'm like, that's insane. How could you ever? I fuck I get it. And you know who's been really like a voice of reason in terms of like my openness towards like sex and sexuality and sexual relationships my grandpa he's extremely wise and he has been alive for a very long time and he's had several sexual relationships in his throughout the course of his life and he's the one that's always kind of told me like you know don't ever be that woman like please when you see an attractive female out in public you know and if you catch your husband checking her out like you noticed her too, you know, beauty is to be admired. And I think that if you are with someone that you trust, it's never going to be an issue. Um, Anthony and and I check out guys together. Yeah. Like we literally set those ground rules, like in the first month. Yeah. Like I was just like, let's just be honest. Like I have eyes, you have eyes. It's going to offend me more if I catch you looking versus us just doing it together. Like, let's just, if you see somebody say it, 
and I'll say it. Yeah. Like I'd rather that than us be pretending that the other person is not seen. Like, you know what I mean? A hundred percent. And I'm curious if the listeners, like I'll probably do like some questions on this because I have grown up a lot since, I mean, obviously I've been in this relationship for a very long time and we go through phases of insecurity throughout our lives. It's a normal process Mm -hmm. of growing up. And so I've talked with my friends about it. I've talked with like my cousin and his wife about it. And we laugh because I can remember times where like I was insecure and I would be jealous, you know, if, if I even felt like some type of way, you know, when we were in the presence of an attractive female, um, and it poor guy, like, Interesting. He didn't, yeah, he didn't really have to do anything. It's just like this, you kind of know Iris, that's because you're a very attractive female. Oh, gosh. Like, you but no I'm not joking like you know like I'm being serious like I'm not trying to hype you up no like that's just crazy to me because like you're beautiful like so for you to be like we were in the presence of another like like then it never ends like so even if you're the hottest person in the room like you're still going to be like jealous of another hot person I can guarantee a hundred percent guarantee you that like even Megan Fox has felt intimidated by another woman like it's just human nature, you know, to question yourself and to like have those, like, and I consider myself an extremely confident person. Like I people don't have called you the Megan Fox of La Feria. Like I've heard that <laughs> like, people have said, up. no, it was on La Feria secrets. Like I'm people extremely... were like, do you remember Iris Vela, the Megan Fox of La Feria? I'm going to throw Avi Verso. I cannot Victoria Longoria is listening to this right now like "Uh uh-uh there's only room for one girlfriend (laughs) no she's the Mariah Carey girl that's a different one she's the Mariah Carey you need to get with it the listeners remember you need to too (laughs) all three people who are still listening (laughs) and that would be me you and like whatever friend we can convince Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But no, honestly, though, like, really, like, and I, I'm really excited, because we're gonna be having like this whole episode on like cheating and infidelity and like things of that nature. And so I'm excited, because I think that like jealousy and all those things, like I could probably sit here and talk to you forever about it. But like, I know, you know, the episode's coming to a close, but speaking of cheating, I feel like that leads us to our next secret. Okay, let's get it. Do you want to do it? Because I did the last one. All right. My boss is having an affair with my coworker and they're both married. I don't know what to do. Who, who are these people that listen to your show, Iris? ¿Qué tiene esta gente? Oh, Ninguno man. son cristianos. Ninguno. <laughs> okay. First off, first off, hold on. Pause, rewind. Yeah. Okay. First off. Why does your listener even know that your that their coworker is having an affair with their boss? Like, first off, let's rewind and let's figure out that because, like, who is having an affair with their boss and then being like, Iris, guess what I fucking did in the back room? <laughs> bitch, bitch, bitch. He fucking hit my cervix. He's gross. I don't care. I'll pick, you know I have my IUD, bitch. <laughs> like, I don't care. He says it, it's over with them. He says it's over. Like, girl, like who who's at the Burger King? I got in the ice room, in the pinche freezer with my patties. 
Hey, look, I'm this is why it takes so long at Burger King for me to get my shit. Sass. Oh my God, please don't be getting your ass cheeks stuck to the frozen burger patties. <laughs> Imagine. Oh my God. Guys, here's the thing. Anyone who's listening to this knows that this is way more common than you could ever imagine. What do you mean this is way more common, Iris? I have never, <laughs> I have never, to my knowledge, had a coworker who has slept with another coworker least a boss who what are you talking what are straight people doing straight people need to be canceled straight people need to stop immediately until we can figure out what's going on because what are y'all doing what is happening messy okay they are extremely messy and it does not matter your socioeconomic status socioeconomical status like it does not matter honestly we brought a Burger King. It could be happening at Burger King or it could be happening at a Fortune 500 company. Like this stuff happens. And especially places where employees work long shifts, healthcare. Um, I don't know, like, I don't know, restaurant industries, I guess, like where, you know, retail like you name it burger it happens king. Yeah. burger king dang burger king's gonna be like hey we don't have 60 minutes spell <laughs> brought to you by burger king did you know that at burger king you can get 10 chicken nuggets for only one dollar burger king gave me my life back and it can give you yours too 60 minutes spell brought to you by burger king actually it's an eight piece now and it's a dollar 49 but like don't ask me why i know that um back to the secret oh seriously mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. my boss having an affair with my coworker, and they're both married i don't know what to do this is actually an an advice this wasn't a a secret this was actually a person asking they want advice yeah they want to know what to do oh my God. okay 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 so i think if i'm giving you advice mira if i was you and this was my coworker and my boss first off we need to like Go to our HR and we need to make them aware of this situation and we need to let them know what is happening. If you do not have HR at your work, obviously that is not an option for you. If you are in a place where you need this job and you cannot go somewhere else, then you need to, you need to stop talking because you're going to get yourself out of this job and that is what's going to happen to you. Like if you are not in a safe place to be able to speak up and say something, it's none of your business. Like I like that's a shitty thing to say, but like your job is more important and you making money and being able to sustain yourself like before like the American Revolution happens again. Like don't just Savas get between you and Jesus. Because yeah, but like if you can say something and you have an HR department girl i would go over there and fucking tell them because if you have the qualifications to take your boss's position sus sus win win so here's my take and again you know you ask like how do things like this happen like they happen and again anywhere where you're like working long shifts and you need to understand that like work relationships are thick like if you're spending more time at work than you are at home 
doesn't matter if you're married, if you have a significant other, like those bonds are inevitably formed. You are opening up to people when you're at work with them, you know, you develop those connections with them. And if there are multiple attractive people in the same area, that tension starts to build. And as soon as an opportunity arises and temptation is like presented, you know, people take those opportunities and all it takes is a couple of sexual encounters. Like imagine this. Okay. Imagine again, in the world of a a straight married couple, we, we don't even know, like if, if it's a gay couple, if it's straight, we don't know. They didn't specify um, gender or anything like that, but this is just an example, okay? Uh, a boss, right? He's ma- he's making the big bucks. He has this important role and he has a hot little secretary that he probably interviewed himself and, you know, just any movie you see like on Lifetime, shit like this. I've happens, seen Obsessed. Okay? I've seen yes. Obsessed. <laughs> Obsessed, another good one. Um, and then he's got a wife at home that's like raising the babies and doing the laundry and like he gets home and she's like knocked out and like doesn't have time for him. Like we kind of touched on intimacy and stuff like that on the last episode, you know, and he has this like hot young thing at work, like stuff like this happens. And you think that office people don't know about it? Of course they know about it. Come into my office, like close the blinds. Don't tell like it come just- come into my office and come try my, my office, tres cake. <laughs> I mean, it happens. It happens, Lupe. And it doesn't even have to be like in that type of scenario. I feel like it could happen anywhere. So I agree with you in a sense of like, stay out of it and mind your business. Um, Because unfortunately, we live in a society where people in positions of power face little to no Mm-hmm. consequences to their actions and unfortunately work ethic and like morals like are close to non-existent nowadays and so while in the past that may have been a big old scandal and something that you know immediately would have been I don't know like resolved like that's probably not going to happen and you want to know something else the spouse or each of their sp- spouses like might even know about it that's how screwed our society is nowadays um like you just don't know and I just feel like if it could affect you in any way it's not worth it like the trash will take itself out you know and if these people are being messy and it starts to affect the people around them like they're not going to get away with it for very long does that make sense you know what I think this person who's seeking advice should do I feel like we should actually connect them with the person who shared their secret about having a threesome and it being great because maybe they could connect all these people and they could all talk and have like a nice little orgy pineapple upside down moment because it sounds like maybe that's what needs to happen here. hey another thing you could do is like a jersey shore moment where snooki wrote that letter to sam to let her know that ronnie was like cheating do you remember i never watched jersey shore i'm a christian <laughs> neither did I did I just did I just like out myself about watching like one of the raunchiest reality shows ever but no like maybe you could do some like anonymous you know like some little post-it like I know what y'all are doing stop and I know who you <laughs> fucked last summer send that anonymous you know the way and y'all then, send anonymous stuff to like the 60 minutes full email then, send an anonymous put- email to HR <laughs> But like a condom with like a little bit of mayonnaise in it and like pin it onto the post-it on their like board 
and just be like, I know who you fucked last summer in the back room. Quit fucking on the printing machine. You're going to mess it up again. <laughs> you Not know it takes print. eight to 10 weeks to replace. Stop. Not mad about the printing machine. It's so good on here. Everybody's oh paperless now. <laughs> I don't know, girlfriend. Good luck. You know. Hold on. Um... Hold on. If you are listening, <laughs> and you actually are asking for advice please get back to us like i need resolve like i need to know what you did if you did anything and i need to know like if one or one or both of these relationships goes up in flames and if there's like a newspaper article about them please send it to us okay and like for the threesome couple like when are are you gonna do it again or like, was it like a one-time deal, you know? Iris, you already said that you're not down. Yeah. <laughs> Why do you keep bringing it up? You're like, what? Can you just tell us if it was another girl or like, was it another well, no, girl? And I want to know, like, is it someone? Yeah, I need that detail. And I also need to know, like, is it some, a recurring thing? And is it someone that you still see around? Like, is it a like, friend? I need to watch- like, what is this your comadre? Like, is she the godparents of your kid? like you just see them at walmart and you're like okay like awkward and just like pass each other in the bread aisle like you know what what? why is it the bread aisle (laughs) really the bread aisle you pass them the bread (laughs) aisle (laughs) b-r-e-d in the bread aisle i don't know guys but i'm pretty sure you're jealous I need the details, guys. I need the details. Follow up. And Lupe, I have had so much fun this episode. Are we not doing the last one? We're not doing the last <laughs> one? <laughs> Which one's the last one? I don't oh, know okay. if the last one's yeah. a secret or okay. if it's, is this advice? No, no, no. Um, I'm going to edit that, por- that part out. We do have one more secret that we need to get to. And this one, guys, this particular topic came in on steroids. I had three people spilling secrets about how they felt about certain in-law relationships. I sometimes can't stand my sister-in-laws. I hate my sister's boyfriend. And I had like a few other that are not on this notepad that we have here in front of us right now. And then I had someone ask for advice saying, I don't get along with my in-laws and I can't take it anymore. So there, I sense of some kind of like urgency here where like there's some in-law relationships that are just not they're not it and so I wanted to kind of get Lupe's perspective on it and address them collectively because I think the theme of this category is like uncomfortable relationships with in-laws so what are your thoughts on this Lupe? I'm sorry, but the number you've called has been disconnected or is no longer in service. Please do not try your call again. You've reached error message 413. No, you got to talk. You've got to give your input on this. What are your thoughts? What do you do when you're in a situation where you are madly in love with someone and cannot stand their family? Um, or it doesn't even have to be your significant other. What do you do when your sibling marries and you have this new obnoxious brother-in-law or other way around, you have an obnoxious sister-in-law that's coming around all the time now that like you have to have at all the family gatherings and things, things like that. Like, what do you do in those situations? So 
I will start this with saying that I have two brother-in-laws and I actually really, really love them a lot. I think that they're both really, really great guys. And one of Anthony's brothers actually has a boyfriend and I really like him a lot too. We're like in a group chat together. Like I, I really, really like them. Like I think that they're really good people and I really enjoy them very much. Um, my mother-in-law is, she's my mother-in-law. And so she's, she's a strong woman. Like she's a strong woman with a very matter of fact, strong personality. She's never been mean to me. She's like, she's one time she said one comment at Thanksgiving that my mother did not like. And my mother talked to me about it afterwards. And I was like, yeah, that was not appropriate. She should not have said that. Um, but she's never been like, she's never like said anything to me that was like, oof, like that's messed up, but they're feelings. Like, you know, like I get vibes, like I get vibes where I'm like, "Mm, I don't feel like, I don't feel like I'm fully appreciated here. Right. Like, I don't feel like that, but I feel like, you know, Anthony and I've been together for like six years now. And I feel like that that has like changed for us. Like, I think that they're seeing like, okay, this guy's not fucking going anywhere. Like, like I can tell that they're like, okay, we want to maintain a relationship with our son. Like we, you know, like, I don't know. Maybe, yeah, maybe, or maybe it's all in my head because every time I brought it up, they're like, no, we don't have a problem with you. Did we say something? And I'm like, fuck, am I gaslighting myself? Are they gaslighting me? I don't know. I don't know. So I just don't say anything anymore. Wait, I don't say you, anything. You have in the past. Like you brought it up. I have. Kind of yeah, like I brought it up with, I brought it up with Anthony where I was like, I don't think your parents like me. Like I'm getting that vibe. And Anthony brought it up with them because he didn't want me to feel uncomfortable. And his parents were like, did we say anything? Well, what did we say? Mm. And it's like, it's not what you said. It's like how you said it. Oh yeah. And like, you know, And so, you know, obviously they weren't like, yeah, we don't like you. Like they never said that because I don't think somebody would be stupid enough to say that. You know what I mean? Right. Um, But yeah, like I feel like now that we've especially like we moved like halfway across the country, like I feel like that's changed drastically. But like I don't go out of my way anymore to like be like, oh, I want to go and spend Christmas over there for a week right like mm -mm. like no like I'm protecting my peace I'm protecting my holidays Mm -hmm. like mm -mm. like I can't do it like mm -mm. no no one more reason for me to absolutely love Anthony because that was kind of going to be what I was gonna offer up as my advice I think that when you're in a relationship with someone and it's their family that you are not seeing eye to eye with, or like the vibes are off and you get the sense of like, you're not being accepted, anything along those lines. It's very much the responsibility of the person who belongs to that family to address it. Because the last thing that you need to do, especially if you're like in the position you've been in Lupe, where you're like, am I just making this up in my head? Is this kind of like a, Mm -hmm. no, am I just like, I don't know, like, am I throwing myself off? Am I overthinking it? 
the last mm-hmm. thing you want to do is like make yourself look like a little loony and say, Hey, do you guys like have a problem with me? And they're going to say, what? No. Like, do you have a problem with us? And it's just, it's going to be awkward. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And then most importantly, they're not nine times out of 10. If they're shady enough to subtly be disrespectful to you, they're not going to come out and say, yeah, we don't like you. <laughs> they're probably mm-hmm. not going to do that either. They're probably going to continue to engage in ma- manipulative behavior that they've been engaging in and deny it. So who better to address the situation than that neutral person that they're more likely to be honest with, you know, one and two that can kind of like put the stake in the ground and say like, this is where I am. And this is my person. And you guys are not coming correctly at them. And I don't appreciate that, you know? So I do very much real quick mr mendoza did say something that i thought was really good when anthony and i first got married and he said that it is my job to protect anthony from my family and it is anthony's job to protect me from his family and that that is our responsibility to one another when it comes to our families and i thought that that was really really sage advice like i thought that i was like yeah like i actually like i like, I agree. Like, I wholeheartedly agree that it's my job to be a buffer between Anthony and my family. And it's the same the other way around. Well, and Mr. Mendoza is your husband's father, just to clarify. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And although I do think that that is a valid statement, I think that's also super fucking toxic. Like, why should we have to be, and no shade to him, I get what he's saying. And I like your use of the term buffer, but like, why do we have to, why are we even in a position where we have to protect each other? You know, and I get it Mm -hmm. that like personalities are that strong and opinions and, you know, let's just acknowledge the fact of like you two are married men, you're a gay couple. So Mm -hmm. I do think that there's extra challenges and dynamics that go into your relationship. Um, It's not fair, you know, but it's true. Um, And so I can't say that, you know, I think that parents in general, and me speaking as a parent, we have a vision of what we hope our child's future looks like. And it's almost never what we plan in our minds. And when we find out that it's not going to be what we had planned for their lives and take like, listen to that, what we have planned for their lives, (laughs) right? It doesn't make much sense, but it's the truth. Mm -hmm. A parent has this vision of what their child is going to grow up to be. And when it doesn't exactly align with what we had hoped, there's a problem there. And so Diego and I are a very good example of that in a much different sense. I got pregnant when I was 18 and I haven't, you know, shared much of my personal story on this podcast yet, but do you think that my mom thought I'd be a mother, you know, at 18, like my senior year in high school? Um, Mm -hmm. No, probably not. And so that was a difficult pill for her to swallow. Um, And I think that more than ever, I'm aware that my children are going to make their own choices. And if I want them to continue to be in my life respectively, and if I want them to continue to, you know, visit me and allow me to be in my grandchildren, life, grandchildren's lives, if that were to ever, you know, be a thing, um, I have to respect their, their choices. And, um, I think that there's a lot of things that play into that culture, 
um generations sure, like, you know this was yeah like this was probably never like mrs cavasso's vision for diego's <laughs> life like i'm sure that you know again i know right because like i've talked to her that like <laughs> she always thought that he was going to be with me like i remember that's what she prayed for can you imagine you know how I mean? hard it is for her to see <laughs> to see you where i'm supposed to be <laughs> Yeah. To see Diego serving me all his three milks and not you. <laughs> Girl, all three milks. That's why you have three kids. Ah. Oh. <laughs> no, that must be a real good tres leches cake. Oh my God. It did happen three times, the milk. <laughs> oh, only three. Only three because you're okay. a Christian. Because <laughs> I'm a Christian. You only but... do it for children. Yeah, but no, guys, I really hope that that makes sense to those of you who are in these predicaments, because let's just, you know, let me pick one of these. I sometimes can't stand my sister-in-laws. Why? Okay. Why can't you stand them? What are they doing to provoke you? What are like, I mean, there could be, we don't have much depth to these, but whatever is going on, it doesn't matter. If you are ever over at your in-laws and your sister-in-laws are there, and I don't know if these are your husband's sisters or your husband's brother's wives. I don't know. However, they are your sister-in-laws. What are they doing to make you uncomfortable? And most importantly, why are you allowing it? Like, why are you continuing to go over there if you're not comfortable? Because mm -hmm. here's another thing, and this could definitely be dedicated to like a whole nother conversation, but I'm over putting myself in situations that are not good for me. And it has taken me years to be Girl. able to recognize that. And like you said, I have to protect my peace. Our whole last episode was about this. Like we are too old at this point. I want to say most of my listeners are going to be late twenties, early thirties, you know, for those yeah, of you who I'm are beyond early twenties. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, um, yeah, for those of you guys who are beyond that, like, I appreciate you putting up with our nonsense, but, um, I mean, it's true. And I think that in my relationship, it's taken us a long time to be able to respect each other's, um, limits, you know, as to what we're willing to tolerate, because you're not always on the same page. You might be in an environment that one of you has outgrown already and no longer feels mm -hmm. value in. And the other person may be having the time of their life. And that may be where you guys say, Hey, I don't want to be a Debbie downer, but like, I'm not really down to go to your brother-in-law's where everyone's going to get shit faced and like, you know, play poker all night. Like I want to be in bed watching the Kardashians with while the kids go to bed early. Are you down to go by yourself? Yeah, sure. That's fine. Like, I don't, I mean, that's not a reality in my life, but it might be in someone else's and you need to be comfortable with that, mm -hmm. you know? So um, it's tough. And again, I think that this definitely, um, it could get a little deeper um, and we can talk a little more about it, but if you really are that disturbed being in the presence of someone else, and if it's not a safe environment enough where you can like openly discuss and say like, I don't know what it is. Did they give you a backhanded compliment? Are they trying to like correct your parenting? Like it could be a number of things that's making you uncomfortable. And if you're not able to sit there in that moment and say like, Hey, can you get your sister, pick her up and put her over there, like put her back in her place because she's really triggering me right now. And I'm not, I'm getting to the point where I don't want to come to these family gatherings anymore. Like do that. Mm -hmm. And if the, mm -hmm. if your if your significant other does not value you enough to put you first and say, 
Because believe me, you think I don't know, there are husbands out there that are like, I calm down, you're always, you're always causing drama. And then you're literally like, what? Like, am I going nuts right now? Because this bitch is gaslighting the fuck out of me. And my husband thinks that I'm the drama. <laughs> what? Like, you know, I mean, it happens all the time. So if you are starting to catch the trend that your significant other is like not valuing your peace and your sanity, remove yourself. Take yeah. matters into your own hands and remove yourself. And guess what? Eventually they're going to start asking, why doesn't she come around anymore? Does she mm-hmm. not like us? And he's going to have to be the one to deal with those questions. So, I mean, again, this could go in, in any way, could yeah. go in any different yeah. direction. Um, I'm just trying to like, imagine a situation where it's tough. It's really tough. And so those of you that are in that situation, like, hang in there. Um, for you, one person, like this one person that said, I hate my sister's boyfriend, like, um, get, get in line with the rest of us, because do you know that my sister does not have the best track record (laughs) in terms of like the guy she chooses to date. And we are finally at the age where like, I'm not the annoying little sister. Um, That's a lie. I'm always going to be the annoying little sister. I was about to say, But I'm not, I'm at the point where like, she is a grown ass woman and she's making her own decisions and who she chooses to date or who she chooses to have in her life is completely up to her. And all I can do is support her through it. And unless their relationship is directly impacting my life, it's none of my business. So I can state my opinions in private, but I'm cordial and civil in public because I'm adult. yeah, because we're adults. And so suck it up and let her live her life. But other than that, Lupe, anything else you want to say? 60 Minutes Spill has been brought to you by adulthood. Adulthood. <laughs> suck it up and act like a grown up. Adulthood. Zero out of 10. Would never recommend. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Um, this was awesome. Loved these secrets. Loved the advice. We're totally not qualified to talk about any of this. <laughs> But we did. And here we are. So get back to us. Upside down, upside down pineapple cake. We want to hear about it. (laughs) I love you guys. And I honestly try so hard not to laugh on these episodes because it's just the most annoying sound ever. Wait, I didn't I didn't tell them about my secret. (gasps) Guys, the most important secret of all. Go ahead. Spill Lupe. He has a secret to spill with you guys. So I do have a secret. Um. No, this one doesn't have to do with Diego. Um, <laughs> sadly, this one doesn't. Um, so a lot of people don't know this, but Iris does. I am actually starting my own podcast. Uh, we're going to be launching probably in the next two-ish months or so. So if you really loved this banter here right now, you'll really love the other show that my dad and I are actually starting. It's called El Toro y la Vaca. He's El Toro. I'm La Vaca. We're talking about everything from sex to culture to hot topics to talking shit about our friends and our family members and also giving people horrible unsolicited unsolicited advice. Um, And so it's just a father and their child and talking about shit that fathers and their children don't talk about and so come and join us it's going to be a lot of fun we would love to have you little spillers over there with us 
at the ranch. I have officially lost all my listeners because I know they're just going to come running over to your show. It's going to be absolutely incredible. I cannot wait. I've been guys, if you want to talk about premium content, like I talked to my sister today and I'm like, Hey, don't forget to listen to my ghetto little podcast. Like, no, <laughs> Lupe's podcast is going to be legit. He has put so much work, time and effort into this project. And I really am just so excited to watch it all unfold. I'm just so grateful to you for coming on again. And can I, can I just tell your listeners about one of my, like one of the segments that brings me the most joy? Of course, go ahead. So um, obviously the show is called El Toro y la Vaca. So we have a segment that we call the bull ride, which is a segment where my father or myself retell a sex story. And it could be a great one. It could be a horrible one. It could be one that was both great and horrible. And so you have to listen because listening to somebody's straight father listening to listening to them have a gay sex encounter is pretty phenomenal and so you need to come and you need to listen it's amazing i am so excited and i cannot wait tell everyone where they can find you on social media and of course we'll be tagging you and all that but um tiktok instagram anything like that you want to share yeah you can find me on tiktok instagram facebook cash app venmo at (laughs) At Davelicious. Um, it's kind of like Fergalicious, but Davelicious because that was my name on MySpace, like back in 2006. And like she stuck with it because it's all about having branding. Yeah. And so that's Davelicious, D A V I L I C I O U S S S S S. Davelicious with five S's. So just find me or just like message iris and she could just send you my profile yeah i'll be tagging you in all our content for this upcoming episode and and i'm coming back yeah Iris doesn't know but i'm coming back no you are 100 percent coming back so let us know we're talking about bullying what else are we going to talk about we're going to talk about the college experience um bunch of different things uh you guys let us know hey if there's any ideas that y'all have anything you want to hear me and lupe talk about you send it our way and we will get it all sorted out but in the meantime um Thank you guys for tuning in to episode three of 60 Minutes Spill. Don't forget to subscribe on uh, on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Follow my Instagram at 60 Minutes Spill. And if you guys have secrets or need any advice, keep them coming. We cannot wait to see more of that. And I have some fun little food questions on my Instagram page going around right now that I'm going to be sharing with you guys. Have a good one. Lupe, have a good one. And thanks again for coming on. Thank you all spillers. Bye. Love you all. This was so much fun. Bye.